0: Thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Kern, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. To all of our wonderful listeners, it is so terrific to be with you again. I'm Diane A. Curran, of course, as you know, and I have a wonderful guest. I'm going to share a little bit about her in just a moment, but let me say hello to Susie Canney and say it is wonderful to be with you today, Susie. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful. I'm feeling great and I'm looking forward to talking to you.
0: Well, I am very excited to have you with, with me today, and I was prompted because of Susie's creativity and the way that she just is full of life about the calling she has in life and the work that she does. I was uh, really compelled to invite her to be with us today, so I want to share a little bit about that and tell you that she's known as your seamstress concierge. What a wonderful title. Susie Canney was born in New York in Staten Island to a military couple. She was the eldest in a large family and traveled throughout the US and even as far as Germany as part of her military family life. So as a child, Susie found a lot of pleasure in things that she still does to this day, reading and daydreaming of beautiful dresses And watching movies and being fascinated by the costumes Susie's mother was also the daughter of a very fine seamstress and the granddaughter of a German master tailor so this is something that Susie comes by naturally through generations of people who had talents and gifts and then honed their skills so Susie uh, Uh, Susie's mother designed and sewed lovely dresses for her firstborn daughter Susie and when Susie's Six brothers and sisters arrived. Oh, yes, that is a good-sized family. Her mother reluctantly put away her sewing machine to tend to her family But it was only fitting when Susie at the age of 11 and a half said Could I please sew a shirt that her mother told her go ahead and purchase the fabric and a pattern, and I'm going to teach you how to sew. Well, that was the beginning of a lifelong passion. And the tradition continued when Susie, as a young mother, made all of her daughter's clothes and designed apparel for herself and her siblings. And Susie moved uh, first to, uh, from Texas to California when she was married initially with three beautiful children. Now she dotes on four grandchildren who are the lights of her heart. So many years of sewing, not only for her family and friends, it led Susie to become an expert seamstress. And as a lifelong student of home economics, she is also somebody who now provides dressmaking, alterations, repurposing, and much more. She started her business officially, Susie Canny Custom Seamstress, in January of 2014. She has a real love of certain particular fabrics, Asian silks, elegant Asian designs and flowing fabrics, pure cotton and tulle So we're gonna talk about that. She has really been somebody who her friends can count on and her family can count on for years. And she's now married to her second husband, Thomas Canney, and he is the love of her life. He himself is creative, a gifted digital artist, and they collaborate and consult regularly on color, and she takes great advantage of his artistic eye. She's in greater Los Angeles and she has a studio and you can find her at SusieCanny.com. And I'm going to spell that because Susie is spelled S-U-Z-Z-Y. Canny is spelled C-A-N-N-Y.com. So you can find her, you can see beautiful pictures of some of her work and learn a little bit more about her style and what she's all about. So Susie, I think this is fascinating to find that you have come to this as a, we'll say, a lifelong passion and avocation, but professionally started after having done many other things in life. And so how, what is it that prompted you to suddenly say, you know what, I'm going to do work as a seamstress professionally. What was it that caused you to say, I'm going to go out into the public and start to really make my talents and skills available?
1: Well, it happened because of Nancy Sardella from WRS.
0: Yeah, WRS is um, a business networking group for women in Southern California. And it is a professional group for people in all sorts of businesses. And that is actually where Susie and I met. So now that we know who that is, so uh, Nancy Sardella founded it. So please continue, Susie, because I want to make sure that people kind of got the gist of the whole story and your connection and our connection.
1: That's great. Nancy's birthday was coming up and I couldn't think of something. I wanted to do something really awesome for her. And so I got her a card and I gave her some adjustment hours, like she could have anything adjusted in her, you know, in her wardrobe.
0: Uh, uh-huh, what a great gift.
1: Wow. Yeah. Alterations. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I w- It was like she was my family. So I was just offering a family gift. And she looked at that and she said, you sew? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I sew. I've known her for about, I don't know, six years by that time, but I thought she knew I sewed. But she said, you need to do this as a business. You need to do this because we need you. And I realized Business women do need to have alterations made and do need to have clothes that fit the way they should fit mm-hmm. and not be boxy all the time because we always have wear suits and things like that in our, in our professions. Mm-hmm. And it just totally fell into place from there. <laughs> it was Nancy, really, because wow. I would have gone on doing it for just family and friends for the rest of my life. It so was the her.
0: gift, and then you found that the gift was not only wanted and needed, but, um, you know, Nancy was sort of um, encouraging you to go out into the public arena with it. And you started it out, and how did that go? What was that like to suddenly find yourself in a very different experience with something you've done your whole life?
1: Well, it was, it was an education in people. You know, it is always, always the people who I work with that make the most difference. Mm. And, you know, I learned so much about the way people feel about their fit. And um, I got to work with some really amazing, amazing women in WRS, of course. Mm-hmm. But it it just, it grew me up in terms of what people really want and need is not always what I think they want and need. (laughs) It's really what they want. And I learned to listen very, very closely. And now I think that's one of the most important things that I do in my business is to listen closely and know what it is that they want. Because my ideas are, you know, come from us usually together it's co- it's a collaborative effort and so when I'm working with somebody and I'm listening and I'm hearing what they really want I can I can bring in my expertise and bring in my ability to make this happen or not you know some things are pretty impossible although I have had several things I thought were impossible and the client themselves Made me sure that I could do it, and I did it. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great! Well, you know what's really interesting there is you're you're mentioning the word collaboration. This idea that you have you have clearly skills, you have talents and gifts, and yet what you're crediting your clients with is a kind of um, a commitment to creating something that hasn't been done yet, and that can make a big difference right. for somebody who's artistic is to have someone believe in you being able to do it.
1: Yeah, even if I can't think of a way until yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were sharing with me something, but before I get into that story, I wanna just mention that in thinking about wow whispering, I feel, Susie, like you've just shared both a wow and a whisper. The wow was the, if you will, the unexpected delight of doing something for a profession that clearly is a passion for you, something that you care about in life. And at the same time, it kind of snuck up on you, didn't it? It wasn't something you said, well, now I'm going to sit down and think through how my year is going to go and I'm going to do this. It was an unexpected discovery when you shared yourself with a friend. And look what came out of that. That,
1: That's absolutely true. And I'm glad you described it as a wow, because I, I kind of didn't no, that was a wow until just now it is a wow yeah
0: well you know is. what is what is great about a wow if you think about it that's a word that um many many people don't have a definition for it but they say it easily and they say it in certain circumstances when they're clear as a bell that that is the word to say <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we might think of a wow as applying to something sometimes outside of ourselves. We see somebody going through an experience or we're impressed by something that somebody's doing or we encounter something that surprises us and and kind of takes our breath away and say, wow. Or, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, wow, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And so we Mm -hmm. tend to look for, in a sense, the energy that may be not our regular day-to-day walking around energy, and I'm, I'm delighted that you use that word, collaboration. Because in a way, sometimes you could say you need something even beyond yourself to be motivated or prompted to say, wow, so here we are having a wow conversation.
1: Not unusual for us. Huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and yet, folded right within that is a whisper, which is you had quietly been for many, many years, Sort of um, delving into, discovering, enhancing, and 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 growing in your skills in something you love to do, which is to sew, and something you come by naturally because you saw the beauty of it through family, and you saw the beauty of it mm. through your mother who shared what she knew, and I'm sure that she was taught um, when she was younger about that, and you know, in many ways, I think about. Um, my childhood. My mother was, was somebody who sewed. And from the time I was a little girl, she would make outfits for me for special, special days. Like Easter Sunday was a big deal. And it was a big deal when I was a little kid because my mother would make me a new dress. And mm-hmm. that was really special because she was doing that for me and, and she didn't have to do it for me, but she, Want to do do it for me? And she was artistic, like you and like your mother. So, it's it, you're reminding me of something that I don't often get a chance to think about, Susie. So, I'm having a wow moment with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so wonderful because you know, as as a little girl, we are we are being formed, and my mother was forming these outfits that came from perhaps. I mean, she, but she'd pass a remnant place in Germany, we were in Germany and they had beautiful fabrics Mm. and they, they just sell a remnants rolled up in a ball and, and she'd see a piece and she'd say, "Mm." (laughs) and she'd buy it. And then the next day or a day or a week later, there'd be this really cool like pink and black straight skirt with straps on it. You know, I mean, I was kindergartner and I wore all this because that's who she was.
0: It's interesting because people who sew um, pretty much come in contact with them early. They go to fabric stores and then they see bolts with almost no fabric on it. It's called a remnant, but there's, there's enough, it sounds like, that there's a feeling that somebody may want it or be able to use it, but it's not enough to sell somebody for, say, a whole project or something that's going to take a lot of fabric. So am I describing what remnants are correctly for people who may not be familiar with sewing?
1: Yes. Uh, In her case, they weren't on bolts. They were a package rolled up with a little piece of paper gluing it closed, and she could tell about how much was in there. And you know, a 5-year-old doesn't take much. She just knew how she just knew how to use the fabric oh, on my great. little body.
0: How great is that? It was wonderful. Yeah. Wow. She
1: she did something about my fashion sense
0: very early. Mm-hmm. how amazing. So did she did you have favorite colors when you were little? Is that something that that ever came into the mix? Or was it just like, well, whatever color it is that I'm wearing today is my favorite today?
1: <laughs> and no, I I really loved red. I still love red. Oh. And she she gave me the love of the color navy blue because I never would have thought of navy blue as a color. It's like black, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But she made this beautiful tulle, taffeta, flock, all these words that mean nothing to a lot of people, but it was a very fancy navy blue dress for me. And there was something about seeing my skin with that color that I still see in my mind today Mm -hmm. that really worked, really felt wonderful to a five-year-old. And I didn't think of that as a color. I was primary color thinker you know red yellow blue purple you know
0: yeah the the, the brighter
1: colors yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but not navy blue which to me was just like like black you know
0: yeah until
1: I had that dress and then I was in love with that color wow so she did a lot god bless her thank you mom (laughs) (laughs) so
0: you also are a lover of fashion and and creative fashion and I um, am thinking of something you shared with me recently about an unexpected project in which you were dressing, uh, uh, you were creating something that a man was going to wear to be married in. Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> so tell me about that because we think of, we think of, for example, of a seamstress. We think, well, that is a, 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 a feminine word. And we think, okay, maybe making clothes for women. But this was a gentleman who was about to be married, if I, if I remember this correctly, and he wanted something very, very special to wear on his wedding day.
1: Yes, this is a, he's a wonderful man. I'm so glad that he came into my life because he taught me so much about working in different silks. Now, this is a man who is a mortician. He's marrying the love of his life, and she is a beautiful, beautiful young woman. He has a new car. Well, it's not really new anymore. But when it was new, it was the absolutely best car in the world for him. It's red with black interior. Mm-hmm. So he wanted a Nehru jacket with red with black lining. Oh, my. And, <laughs> and he just likes the simplicity of Nehru. He's not Indian. He's, the, he's just one of the people who loves that style. And I couldn't find a pattern for it. We looked and looked. He sent me millions of pictures. Well, not millions, maybe 20 pictures of neighbor jackets and what, you know, what he liked and what he, we wanted to put together. Then I took a skinny jacket pattern that I had purchased for my husband. And I created a neighbor jacket pattern out of a muslin. In other words, I made the pattern with a separate fabric so that I could be fitting it to him. Uh-huh. Now. We had to find a color. So I went to my silk shop down in in, uh, L.A. My great silk guy, Mike, had a couple of bolts of this fabric that was handmade silk. Mm. And it happened to be the exact shade of his car. And so, well, he just kept looking at it and kept saying, that's the color. Okay, (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. the color. And then so we, we bought it and then he bought more of it because, you know, it was there. So we now <laughs> had this beautiful fabric. Well, I had to go and find out how to use it because it was fra- it was fragile. So mm. I called my my teacher Santiago, wonderful wonderful uh, tailor who works at uh, Neiman Marcus, and he is he told me that I could definitely do it. My dry cleaner guy told me I couldn't do it because because. It wouldn't dry clean or, or something like that. Anyway, it, that makes no difference because when Santiago said I could do it, I knew I could do it. So we went through the process of fitting him. And the coolest thing of it is he wanted to raise his glass at his wedding and not have the, the jacket move. So we needed a thing called gusset. It goes under the arm. It's, okay. a, it's, it's part of usually people in the world of, of – uh, theater use gussets because it's about raising your arms like to sing you don't want the costume to come up when you raise your arm Mm. so they I I did a bunch of YouTube things and found out how to make a gusset (laughs) and then you know put the gusset in it absolutely was divine and I, it took a long time, long, long time, because we had so much design work to do and so much fitting to do just to make sure it was right. Since we mm-hmm. did, we were using a, we were using me, <laughs> my my creation. So he was very patient with me, and it came down to the wire. I still have about two inches that I have to fix on the hem, that he he got married with so mm-hmm. I will we'll have it back in my house again and I loved every minute of working on that because it was so, so complicated and so it needed so much love and it had so much to give. It's a beautiful piece of fabrics, beautiful thing. So yeah, my favorite that is my favorite, favorite fabric experience with a client because he needed that color so much mm-hmm. and that texture was perfect for him and he looks marvelous in it and his wife was so shocked she said that's really red because <laughs> he yes, was keeping not keeping it as a traditional secret
0: there's no color for men to wear
1: at the wedding is it <laughs> no it isn't but that's <laughs> the way he is he's he's very much an independent thinker and he wants he, this is what he always wanted and he right. always wanted A Nehru, red Nehru jacket. He always wanted that. So he now has it. In fact, I think I should call him today and see if I can get it back and get those two inches finished because I do actually love working on it so much.
0: (laughs) Well, this is a reminder, you know, sometimes an artist doesn't want to finish their work because then they'll have to send it away. So now you get to get it back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I hope that that's not a subconscious thing I do, but I think it may very, very well be. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, you know, people who are artistic, uh, you know, kind of share, uh, and, and I certainly know this from from some of my own experiences, but also talking with artists is that sometimes there's a tendency not to know when something is done, because you're inspired, you are doing something that really you've never done before. Because if you're doing something artistic, mm. typically it's a combination, maybe you have skills and you have familiarity with your materials, or your medium, but you're Creating something brand new, and so how do you know when something brand new is done? In a way, you don't. Um, there are some right. clues. Sometimes you fill up the piece of paper, or you use up all the fabric, or there's nothing left. But you always have. Think, <laughs> well, now I can embellish it. Well, now I can refine it. Now I can change it. <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I did have that. I did that. I and he was more than happy to make to let me be creative. We covered the buttons, and you know,
0: <laughs> how great is that? So it really was that word that you used earlier—a true artistic collaboration. He brought a vision to you, and he yes. did not have the skills to create it himself. He certainly didn't have the interest to become a, a seamstress or a tailor himself. But he found somebody in you who could bring all of that experience and expertise, and a desire to work with a brand new vision and do something you'd never done before either.
1: That's absolutely right. And here's another little WRS little thing. Uh, And so that's how I got to work with Alejandro.
0: How great is that? So just even the process of getting together was a process of connecting with people who you enjoy being with, who are in an organization where you get to know them and you get to learn a little bit about each other. And then lo and behold, magic happens, not on a particular schedule, but in a way, very much spontaneously or in the moment or when a need arises. And people often say to the the people they know and work with or are connected with, do you know somebody who, or gosh, I'd like Mm -hmm. this, but I'm not sure how I can get it accomplished. And lo and behold, suddenly you start thinking about What could I do to support that person's vision? So wow is getting even bigger here than just one or two (laughs) people together. It's getting to be sort of a group of people and a a vision of something you'd like to have happen in your life. Clearly getting married is a big part of someone's life where they go through a change in the way they're going to carry forward in their future. And it's a celebration. So all of that, was there inherent in what you were creating for him as well.
1: Yeah, it's all there. It was a big family thing. (laughs) Then I went to the wedding, so I got to meet his mom.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, how great is that? That (laughs) Yeah, it
1: was wonderful. That was really the biggest all-encompassing group of people that speaks to what being a custom seamstress is about. Because being a custom anything, is about the relationship that you have with each and every client. It's not about the relationship you have with a mass. It's the relationship you have with an individual. Mm. And all of those individuals have individuals attached to them. So it's that relationship that's so important.
0: I'm, I'm glad you're saying that, Susie, and I'll tell you why. Because we, we live in an era where many of us are connected electronically. And we're connected electronically through social media or literally even through telephones where we're not in the same city or even country as the person we're speaking with. So we, we have bigger lives in many ways, but we have lives at a distance in other ways. And so this, this notion of you creating a, a profession and a business and a company where you are in order to do what it is that you do, you are connecting with one person at a time and you are literally with them during not the entire process, but part of the process where you're either initially meeting or you're collaborating or you're doing fittings where there is that one-to-one, very direct, in-person relationship. And that's rare. Some people don't have that at all in their jobs. I'm thinking about people, for example, who do tech support. They work remotely. They live remotely. So it's a very different experience, isn't it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, I, I want to be with people. When I was a bookseller, I wanted to talk books with people. I wanted to know what people read. I wanted to be with them. That's the way I feel about my work because in like being with my mom, this is a good example. My mom sewing for me gave me a chance to really be with my mom mm. because she had to fit me. She didn't even use patterns. She no. used me. I was a mannequin. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's amazing. So for me, this is a this is like inherent in my person to be able to be with people and and really enjoy getting to know them and getting to help them have what they need. This is what I do to help people have what they need, but the relationship is very important to me. I'm I'm very I'm very present to the fact that the universe brings the right people to you, you know?
0: Well that is a that is another combination of whispering and wows, because the whispers are people come into your life, you don't necessarily know all that's going to happen between the two of you when you first meet, right? You just You say hello, you see what's so and then lo and behold, over time, adventures happen and surprises Mm -hmm. come into it. And yet the wow is I'm listening to you, Susie, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how wonderful for someone to have you in their life where you want to be doing what you're doing. I think one of the things you shared with me is that there's a big wow that you recently came to, and I'm going to say it the way you wrote it to me. You wrote, the biggest wow for me is that I can choose who I want to serve in the work I do. There's no drudgery in creating a business with joy. I love that and my clients. Do you remember writing that? That's (laughs) true. Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's true. Totally true. So you're bringing something in addition to your skills and your talents and the projects that you're working on. You're bringing that perspective about, oh, I want to be doing this. So imagine mm-hmm. what it's like for someone to be around you who wants to be doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I, I do have a lot of clients like that, too. I have very, very entrepreneurial people in my life who love doing what they do, as you are,
0: ah. you know. Yes. Yes, I uh, I am I am very blessed to work with solopreneurs and entrepreneurs myself and I love the passion mm-hmm. that they bring to what they're doing. And I'll tell you passion comes in handy as you know because there are moments when it's incredibly frustrating to be inventing something and always on the edge of not knowing what's next or <laughs> creating something from nothing. I know. You know there's a, those yeah. moments as you kind of shared like I don't know if I can do this. Yeah.
1: No, of course. I don't think anyone who is an inventor or a person who is a visionary can know what to do all the time. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's not fun if you already know, you know, it's fun to find out how it's done, you know, after you, you think you've stumbled onto something, then there are so many people who can help you figure out how to do it. And I am a great lover of teachers. Oh my God. My mentor, uh, Santiago, is one of the best tailors I've ever seen. And he is so there for me. I mean, I, when I called about that, that jacket, I hadn't talked to him for a few months. And he was like, just leaving me the message that saying, you can do this. Of course, you could do this. Very <laughs> carefully, one step at a time, you can do this. I'm like, mm. I love this. <laughs> I How mean, I am off that. my, I can't do it thing right away when somebody does that. How great so we that! We need each other so much. We really, we really do. We're all teachers for each other.
0: Well, you mentioned something—just a little tip of another iceberg here—and that is, you mentioned that you, uh, for many years, were a bookseller and literally were there in a bookstore where you could talk with people one to one, right in person, not just over the phone, not just online, mm-hmm. but really right there. That's with right. People. And there's something even more that people will want to know about you, which is you are not only a bookseller, you are a book writer. So you are somebody who, in another realm, is creating something from nothing. Until you put words on a page, that page is a blank piece of paper, or that page mm-hmm. is a blank document inside a computer. In fact, I'm curious. Yeah. Is- do you write on a computer or do you write uh, using a pen or pencil or do you write using a typewriter? I'm always curious about how writers do what they do.
1: Well, the illustrated book that I wrote that is on Amazon was done actually sitting in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I did not write it at a computer at all. I just did a poem. And my, my stepson actually did some illustrations that made it into, oh, my God, we have to make this a book. Mm. So, And the other books that I've written, I have used the computer, mm-hmm. but I start off by hand because I feel, again, with my hands, I feel as if it's part of that, you know, that tactile part,
0: a pen mm-hmm.
1: and a paper or a pencil and a paper are very important when I start off.
0: And I know there are writers who really feel strongly that way. I love the way you're saying it. And I never thought about how it connects to your sewing because you do use your hands for that as well. Mm-hmm. And I, as a writer, I do it completely differently. In, in an earlier part of my life as a, ch- as a kid, when I was writing, I was lucky enough to have a little uh, manual typewriter. And I would pound mm-hmm. on this thing with my two fingers. And I was really oh, I love that. I like to say I'm fast but inaccurate. And so I was used to that. And so now I do it on the computer because it's like, oh boy, I get to type more letters. Now I just have to go back and correct everything. But um, (laughs) it's a lot easier for me because I'm left-handed. And I think that as a left-hander, we're always writing sort of backwards and upside down. So it's a little more challenging than if I'm typing. But I love the way you've connected the eye-hand coordination and mind coordination that's required to really start out doing something by hand. In fact, if I think about sewing, Though I know you are very expert at using a sewing machine, you, of course, had to learn and start, most people start sewing by hand to learn
1: how do yes. these
0: stitches work? How does how do you get these fabrics yeah. connected to each other?
1: That's right. It's, and it's the first thing you do, learning a needle and a thread. Mm. So it feels... That's, that is linked to my writing, because the first thing I do is a pencil and a paper. I don't even use a pen. I want to use something that I could feel and hear when I'm writing. That's fantastic. Yeah.
0: Well, you have written a children's book. Could you share a little bit about where people can find that? Because I know it's, it's, it's also a collaborative project, and I'd love to... So tell people on Amazon, how can they find it? What should they
1: look for? You can go and just... Susie. It's under Mrs. Susie canny, believe it or not. But you can also use the ISBN. And I will just give you that because it's so much easier. Oh, okay. uh, So tell me, I want to just share with
0: people who may not know what an ISBN, every book that is published by a publisher and registered has a unique number that identifies it to anybody who's um, either selling it or um, trying to find it online. And so that's what Susie's going to share. But could you share the title
1: of it before you tell us the highest Yes. I don't think
0: I mentioned that yet.
1: The title is Sometimes Like a Child. Mm. And it's really the story of my mother-in-law who, because <laughs> the pictures are so funny because they do look like my mother-in-law in caricature. Who was passing us a mirror one day, and she looked in the mirror and just absolutely stunned her that she didn't recognize that woman in that mirror because she was not, she felt like she was a kid. How did she get there? Mm-hmm. And I just loved that so much, and I wrote my poem about that. And then my grand, my stepson read the poem, and he said, "Do you mind if I just like?" Well, actually, I asked him, "Would you make a little tiny picture of this grandmother?" because I want to give it to her, give the poem to her. And as mm-hmm. soon as he started drawing these little tiny pictures, we saw there was something there. And he was just awesome getting her. He got her. <laughs> he got wow. her, and she's in this book. So the ISBN is 978-1522-727453. Spoken like a true bookseller. <laughs> I feel I just gave that to you, thinking this is my profession. My profession is bookselling, and I really don't think much about it every day now. But I remember it well.
0: Can you repeat the number just so that when, if people wrote it down, they may want to confirm that they wrote it, that they heard you correctly. Just repeat it one more
1: time. Okay, nine seven eight one five two two seven two seven four five
0: three okay so now we have um several official ways to get there you can go on amazon t- literally type in that isbn number you go right to the book you can go to mrs Susie canny and let me spell suzy's name again it's s-u-z-z-y-c-a-n-n-y i am so excited to be talking with suzy Kenny here today we're going to take a short break and be right back so stay tuned In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. And today we are pleased to feature not one, but four world-class gardens where plants are grown for display to the public and often for scientific study and contribute to the protection of the biodiversity of our plant life. We're talking about botanical gardens, so I have four I want to mention to you. And they have some complicated website names. So I'm not going to say them here. I'm going to invite you to take a look at our show notes. They're right underneath the listing on iTunes. And I know in some of the other uh, pages for other sources where you may be listening to this, they'll be listed as well. And you can always go to my website and hear it uh, and see them on wowwhispering.com. So we're going to, familiarize you with just a little tease to uh, have you become interested in four botanical gardens. One is called the Adelaide Botanic Garden in the heart of the city, but many worlds away in Australia. You want to take time out to explore the beauty and diversity of their plants that come from across Australia and around the world. The next one I want to mention is the Singapore Botanic Gardens. Which opened in 1859, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It contains tropical rainforests, lovely lakes, and a magnificent orchid garden with distinct color zones in four varieties of color. Now, the Kew Botanical Gardens, actually, it's the Kew Royal Botanic Gardens, is set along the Thames River in London. And this, this very formidable Royal Botanic Gardens. It's the largest collection of living plants in the world, not to mention one of the most historic, having been founded in the mid-1700s. They are also on Instagram, and you can travel there vicariously. Ooh, that's exciting. So two ways to find them. Go to their website, but check them out on Instagram under, guess what? Kew Gardens. Now, the La Tourette Alpine Botanical Garden is in France, and you gaze up at snow-capped peaks from an altitude of nearly 7,000 feet when you explore this botanical garden. It's set up in 1899 and contains more than 2100 different species of alpine plants from around the world with a beautiful design that contains rock gardens that are set into the landscape. Isn't that perfect for being at a high altitude where you might find rocky mountains happening up there? So what I want to invite you to do is to recognize the importance of enjoying our plant life and discovering things that you might grow on your own, but certainly appreciate the importance that plants play in our everyday life. So do enjoy looking at them and taking in their magnificent beauty. Thank you. Well, we are back. I'm so excited to have my guest, Susie Kenny, here with me today on Wow Whispering. And she has been doing a beautiful job of joining together Wows and Whispers. That's kind of what she's doing in terms of the conversation we've had about her work as a professional custom seamstress, about her work as a writer, as a bookseller, as someone who's steeped in the creative arts in many different ways. The experience of what those adventures in life are like for somebody. So Susie, have you had any particular thoughts today as you've been kind of listening to the conversation and hearing it in your own mind? Anything you'd like to share with our listeners right now?
1: Well, you know, I just feel very honored, first of all, to be talking to you and knowing that other people are going to hear our conversation because you and I have, lots of wow conversations and it's kind of fun to have it know that it's going to be out there and other people will be able to experience our conversation yeah but yeah. i just also I'm, I'm also feeling very happy to speak into the world of artists mm. I speak into the world of technical, as in technical sewing, as in fit, as in, you know, what it means to measure and, you know, all of the whole, that, the technical stuff of my sewing. I do a lot of talking about that. And to just get into the conversation of it being an art feels very wonderful to my, my soul. So mm. thank you. Well, I am thrilled. I knew that, I
0: knew that there was something for us to discover in conversation, I had no idea what it would be, and you have reminded me how much art is something that is connected to the physical experience of creating. Creating, and you know, people mm-hmm. people create physically in many different ways. I'm even I'm thinking about you mentioned about actors needing gussets when they hold their hand up or when they make a gesture, they don't want their costume to be looking odd and weird uh, if they're on stage. So we, we think about acting and we oftentimes consider acting as something that we as the person watching the performance, we think of it as visual. We sometimes think about hearing the words that are being said because they're registering on us, but acting itself is a physical experience it is acting taking being in action you know moving from place to place um, creating on a small stage something that's as big as life itself but I'm also thinking Susie of athletes people who are moving through an experience of perhaps running or being on a team sport something that requires physical movement where their eye-hand coordination has to be very precise and skillful And practiced over and over again. And what you do in the world of sewing requires that same level of skill so that your stitches go in the right place, so that your vision of how you want something to look is going to show up in the size and the angles that are required.
1: That's all, you know, that's what goes through my head all night long when I'm when I'm working on a project. I think always thinking about those how to make those curves in the right places because our bodies are all curvy, mm. all shoulders, elbows, everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <clears throat> Literally as we're walking, every,
0: every part of us is moving every single part of us. We're not only getting from place yeah. to place, but we're getting there not by just sort of standing still and waiting for the air to take us. But
1: <laughs> Right. That's what, we, that's what clothing actually this the idea of of draping Mm. so that your, you know your clothing actually comes from these points in your body and the points in every body is different like the points in the shoulder for a person who's got a sloping shoulder are going to be different from you know like where things are going to land and what you've got to to keep it where it's supposed to be those are things that those are the things that i'm thinking about the technical things that my brain is doing Mm -hmm. and that's why i'm measuring and that's why i've got to make sure everything is is fitting once i get the measurements everything is fitting the actual body that's round Mm. not just numbers you know Mm -hmm. that's what i do
0: Well, what you do has so much um, intriguing angles and uh, discoveries to be had in it. And I just love that you shared that with us. I could talk to you for hours. I'm going to share something that you very generously offer to anybody who is hearing this and would like to know more about your work, um, you are available online. Your website is your name. So it's really easy to reach Susie. It's susiecanny.com. As I mentioned, you can see her work there. And Susie is also making something available to listeners who are in an area where they can come and visit with her, which is a one-hour consultation regarding fit issues and design ideas. And Susie is somebody who you really want to enjoy because her energy is all about creativity. So Susie, I just want to say thank you so much for being with me today. It has been such a pleasure to explore and meander around the world of creativity and thoughtfulness and precision all at once, the left brain and the right brain, the wows and the whispers, and ask you as we complete our conversation, is there anything in addition you'd like to share with our listeners to maybe keep in mind for their own lives. Do what
1: you love and just keep going. Everybody has a talent that somebody needs. Everybody does. We didn't come here without something that we could give others. And that's the way to make money, really, to make sure that you're giving something for someone else.
0: How great is that? What a generous way of looking at the world of working and making a contribution to people in life and having your own life fulfilled and sustained and enhanced and and encouraged. How great is that? Susie, thank you so much for being with me here today on Wild Whispering. I want to wish you a wonderful day.
1: Thank you, Diane. And I, I, I am so delighted that you asked me to talk to you in this way for your listeners and for my friends.
0: I love it thank you
1: so much
0: wonderful well to everyone who is here with us thank you so much for being with us and who knows what you'll do in the world that will inspire others so go out there do what you love as Susie Canney says and enjoy thank you again and we'll be back with you very soon take care What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.